0: and they won't, and they can't, not if they want to remain competitive. A chairman of a large pharmaceutical company had summed up his policy very neatly once, but it was the other way round. A half times two times three equals P, he said. Half as many people in the core of his business in five years' time, paid twice as well, and producing three times as much. That is what equals productivity and profit. Other businesses may not formulate it so crisply, but that is the way they are all going, good jobs, expensive jobs, productive jobs, but much fewer of them. It makes good corporate sense. Those proper jobs are not for everyone. They are not for those who want more space in their lives for other things, for families, for instance. Those kinds of jobs are difficult for women, if they want to raise a family, or for men, for that matter, who might want to do likewise. Nor do they last forever, these jobs. We rightly deplore age discrimination in our societies, but seventy-hour weeks do wear people out. Burnout would not have become a popular jargon word if there were nothing for it to describe. We seem, in many of these very full jobs, to be cramming the hundred thousand hours of a lifetime's work into thirty years, instead of the traditional forty-seven years as in days gone by. A thirty-year job leaves twenty years or more beyond the job for nearly everyone. Those years offer the possibility of another life for all of us. Jung believed that the first half of life is the preparation for the second half. Most of us don't see it that way yet. Many of us waste the second half. The road we have been on throughout this century has been the road of management, planning, and control. It hasn't worked. Management and control are breaking down everywhere the new world order looks very likely to end in disorder. There are, it is now clear, limits to management. We thought that capitalism was the answer, but some of the hungry and the homeless are not so sure. Scientists call this sort of time the edge of chaos, the time of turbulence and creativity out of which a new order may gel. The first living cell emerged, some four million years ago, from a primordial soup of simple molecules and amino acids— nobody knows why or how. Ever since then, the universe has had an inexorable tendency to run down, to degenerate into disorder and decay. Yet it has also managed to produce from that disorder an incredible array of living creatures, plants, and bacteria, as well as stars and planets. New life is forever springing from the decay and disorder of the old. We need a new way of thinking about our problems and our futures— if the contradictions and surprises of paradox are going to be part of those futures, we should not be dismayed. I used to think that paradoxes were the visible signs of an imperfect world, a world which would, one day, be better understood by us, and better organized. We lacked only the knowledge and the will to resolve the paradoxes. We did not yet know enough about how things worked, but eventually there would be what the scientists call a theory of everything, and we would, as Stephen Hawking, the Cambridge physicist, famously put it, know the mind of God. I no longer believe in a theory of everything, or in the possibility of perfection. Paradox I now see to be inevitable, endemic, and perpetual. The more turbulent the times, the more complex the world, the more the paradoxes. Paradoxes are like the weather, something to be lived with, not solved, the worst aspects mitigated, the best enjoyed, and used as clues to the way forward. Paradox has to be accepted, coped with, and made sense of, in life, in work, in community, and among the nations. I have identified nine principal paradoxes, nine ways of explaining what is going on in our societies, and why some confusion is inevitable. It is far from being an exhaustive list, But if we can manage the following nine paradoxes, if we can make sense of them, if we can combine their unexpected twists and their contradictions to forge a better world, we shall have done well. The first paradox is the paradox of intelligence. In January 1992, Microsoft's market value for a time passed that of General Motors. The New York Times commented that Microsoft's only factory asset Was the imagination of its workers. Tom Peters proclaimed the symbolic end of the Industrial Revolution, Peter Drucker heralded the post capitalist society. This may, of course, be a bit.